remember uh, last Friday is when the FDA had their hearing in regards to the Pfizer uh, booster shot. And they said, you know what, right now we're going to say no to booster shots for everybody. They let her change that. So if you're someone that's susceptible, maybe a little bit older, then you will have a chance to get that Pfizer booster shot. Now, that was sort of the headlines that dominated the news out there. As you know, here at Point of View, we're always fighting for the truth for you. So I'm going to share with you tonight some actual sound bites, some clips from doctors, healthcare experts from this. It's over an eight hour hearing, so I wouldn't expect you to go and watch eight hours of an FDA booster shot hearing and the clips I'm going to play for you tonight, very, very important. You're going to hear again, doctors, experts at the very end. We're going to play a clip for you where one of these experts talking about the vaccine for kids saying, hey, this is a big, big no, no and sort of lays out why. So again, because this is an FDA hearing, I'm going to essentially just sort of play these clips for you, not put a lot of color on them. We're going to get to your feedbacks in regards to this hearing in the next segment um, on Saturday. Some of the out of here might not be the best because I found out about this on Saturday. I did a quick Facebook live uh, on my laptop, and so that's why you might have some audio issues. But the things now has been shared over 450 times, so it sort of touched a nerve, if you will. And a lot of people are glad about the information that they're hearing because nobody else is talking about this. So here's a few clips from the hearing from last Friday. But let me conclude by stressing how important it is to transition from emergency strategies to long-term ones. Slide F outlines five important considerations in doing so. They are self-explanatory. I hope you will hold off of approving this booster for broad use, at least until such a strategy is developed. Thank you for your attention. So there's one saying, hey, I hope you hold off on uh, this booster now, and that there's more long-term information. And we've talked about this a long time ago on the show. We need more longitudinal information in regards to this vaccine. You'll hear more about that in some other clips coming up as well. Again, don't want to color a lot of this. I just want you to hear from these health experts, from these doctors, what they're saying in regards to the vaccine and the booster. Here's another clip. I'm a, an emergency physician educated at Cornell Medical School. My residency was Charity Hospital in New Orleans, and I've been working in this region since. Where I work, over 65% of the population are not vaccinated. I'm here today to ask for help for those working the front line to help us reduce vaccine hesitancy. For this, we need larger trials that demonstrate the vaccine reduce hospitalization without finding evidence of serious harm. I know many think the vaccine hesitants are dumb or just misinformed. That's not at all what I've seen. My nurses have refused the vaccine, despite having seen COVID-19 cause more death and devastation than most people have. I asked them why I refuse the vaccine. They tell me while they've seen the firsthand dangers of COVID in the elderly, the obese, diabetics, they think their risk is low. They're not wrong. One nurse showed me this Oxford risk calculator. A 30-year-old female has about a 1 in 7,000 chance of catching COVID and being hospitalized over 90 days. She asked me, can I assure her that the studies found her risk of serious harm from the vaccine is lower than her risk of hospitalization? The truth is I can't. Our trials weren't big enough. They weren't big enough to identify the vaccines caused myocarditis, yet now we know they do. A recent observational study suggests the risk of vaccine-induced myocarditis in young males is higher than the risk of hospitalization from COVID. Higher than the risk from the hospitalization of COVID myocarditis in young males. You heard there him talking to a nurse, right? And let me remind you what he said at the beginning there. Many people think that the quote-unquote unvaccinated are a bunch of uneducated rubes. He's saying no. You've got the unvaccinated people walking in with actually more information, more data than the people that are getting the vaccine. Again, you can take that for what it's worth. That's just a healthcare expert, a doctor 
that's actually on a call testifying with the Federal Drug, excuse me, the Food and Drug Administration. So interesting point of view there. Here's another one. Hi, I'm Steve Kirsch. I'm executive director of the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. I'm going to focus my remarks today on the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about, that the vaccines kill more people than they save. Today, we focus almost exclusively on COVID death saves and vaccine efficacy because we were led to believe that vaccines are perfectly safe. But this is simply not true. For example, there were four times as many heart attacks in the treatment group in the Pfizer six-month trial report. That wasn't bad luck. Theirs shows heart attacks happen 71 times more often following these vaccines compared to any other vaccine. In all, 20 people died who got the drug, 14 died who got the placebo. Few people notice that. If the net all-cause mortality from the vaccines is negative, vaccines, boosters, and mandates are all nonsensical. This is the case today. So again, another perspective and point of view. I don't want to color a lot of this. I want these experts to just share their thoughts on this FDA hearing so that you can hear different points of view. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the headlines coming out of Friday is, hey, we're not going to you know, have a third booster shot for people that seem to be healthy or that aren't necessarily in the elderly. And it was just sort of left at that. There was no conversation here about the myocarditis, about nurses saying, hey, wait a second, I'm having a little bit of hesitancy because can you tell me that the actual impact of the vaccine is going to be less risk than actually getting COVID and being hospitalized over 90 days? And some of the things you heard there about about what that gentleman said. Again, if you want to watch all this in sort of a, a one long clip, you can just simply go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash POV. Now I want to play a couple more clips for you. And again, the one at the end here is going to talk about where a doctor, a healthcare expert perceives vaccines and children. But first, here's another clip from the FDA hearing. Deference, um, uh, with slide number seven, thanks uh, to the number seven in lower part. This shows that the all cause uh, death rate in, uh, in three cases. Only the VAERS numbers are statistically significant, but the other numbers are troubling. Even if the vaccines have 100% protection, it still means we kill two people to save one life. Four experts did analyses using completely different non-U.S. data sources, and all of them came up with approximately the same number of excess vaccine-related deaths, about 411 deaths per million doses. That translates into 150,000 people have died. Next slide would be slide number 11, uh, the nursing home. Now, the real numbers confirm that we kill more than we save. And I, will, uh, I would love everyone to look at the Israel Ministry of Health data on the 90-plus-year-olds where we went to. We went from a 94.4% uh, vaccinated group to 82.9% vaccinated in the last four months. In the most optimistic scenario, it means that 50% of the vaccinated people died and 0% of unvaccinated people died. Unless you can explain that to the American public, you cannot approve the boosters. Slide number 16, please, myocarditis. Uh, the paper just posted yesterday on MedArchive entitled MRNA COVID-19 Vaccination and Development of CMR Confirmed Myopericarditis shows that the myopericarditis risk was one in a thousand and that's an overall age range from 18 to 65, mean age of 33. It is not inconsistent with what the bearer shows. Next slide would be slide number 18, gaming of the trial. It's pretty clear that the Pfizer trial results were gained. It's statistically impossible for protocol violations to be five times higher in the treatment group. Why hasn't this been investigated? Slide number 19, 
Uh, Maddie DeGray was, was 12 when she enrolled in the Pfizer phase three trial for kids. Now she's paralyzed for life. It wasn't reported by in the uh, Pfizer results. I told Janet Woodcock, there was no investigation. Please tell us why this was not, why this fraud was not investigated. And finally, um, slide number 20, please. Um, early treatments are a much better alternative to boosters. Uh, the proof is that in Israel, cases are at an all-time high. In India, Uttar Pradesh is now COVID-19 free as of today. Almost nobody there is vaccinated. I'm gonna let that one sink in for a moment. You got a young woman there, paralyzed for life, that was part of a trial, no investigation. How do you explain that? If you watch the numbers in Israel, folks, Israel is probably one of the most vaccinated nations on the planet. And you just heard that gentleman say, now you see all these breakthrough cases that are happening in Israel, and yet go over to India with actually using medicine as prophylactics. COVID's almost non-existent in some of those communities. Now, is that because the prophylactic in and of itself? I don't know. I don't live in India. All I know is that Israel, highly vaccinated, many people are getting it still. India using treatments, prophylactics. No one in the community he just mentioned has it. Is this truly about health? That's what I want you to ask yourself. Is what we're doing truly about the greater good for you, your family, and your children? Because now I'm going to play for you a clip where a gentleman talks about his point of view, again, a doctor, on what we're doing here to vaccinate young kids when we haven't had the longitudinal studies. The trials aren't completed until 2023. That's just the facts. Play the tape. Safety, particularly when you're talking about putting these vaccines in our children's arms. We currently do not have the safety data. We actually do not, and for anyone at the CDC, anyone at the NIH, and anyone at the FDA to claim so, that is being disingenuous to the public. Now, I wanted to end by saying this. When we look, I looked at a study this morning by Chen on testicular infection post-COV, SARS-CoV-2 virus. That means that there is an issue, and we are extrapolating. We are extrapolating based on the Japanese data that looked at the lipid nanoparticles and the mRNA that were accumulating in the tissue in the rat model. Yes, it's a rat model, but we have to extrapolate to humans. That showed that the lipid nanoparticle, the constituency of the vaccine is accumulating in the ovaries, in the testes, in the spleen, in the adrenals, etc. So when somebody like Nicki Minaj, I have to invoke this, makes that statement. That's not a joke. People want to make this a joke and parody it, etc. But this is a very, very serious consideration because we even have animal data that shows us that there's a drop in fertility in the animal model. So we need this properly investigated. The public needs this answer properly. And I want to end by saying this. Under no condition, none, zero, based on the evidence today, must children be indicated for these vaccines. There is no risk to children, no statistical zero in terms of spreading and in terms of getting serious illness or dying from this. Dr. Martin Macaria, Johns Hopkins, we looked at the, the children in America that have died, and we found that save one, most these children had at least one severe illness. So the reality is COVID is not a life-ending, life-threatening situation for children. Right now, 
the CDC and the NIH have not prosecuted the case as to why these children should be vaccinated, period. I say do not do this. And yet, what was the big breaking news yesterday? Pfizer, hey, according to the trials and what we've done here, kids now 5 to 11 need, should be vaccinated. Again, maybe the trials will prove out and bear out to be true. But when you're talking about our kids, and you've got a doctor there saying, hey, look, there's zero risk. Can we just take some time? Can we just let the longitudinal studies actually play out in that demographic before we just start jabbing people with stuff? I, just an idea, you know? You do what you want to do. As we talk about often on the show, it's about freedom, right? It's your body. You can make choices around it, around your, around your personal health attributed to your DNA. Let me be clear about that. If it's your DNA, go for it. Somebody else's DNA, you know what I'm saying? That can obviously be a different conversation. All right, let's check out some maps here. Producer AJ put this together. Um, this is from Body Nutrition. Dot org. <laughs> I love that. Um, this is a geotag Twitter data from last month tracking tweets, hashtags, and direct phrases expressing opposition to President Biden's new vaccine mandate. They tracked the hashtags do not comply, no compliance, things of that nature. You can see here in North Dakota, one of the top three states that is vaccine hesitant. Uh, looks like Florida as well and some others. So um, I want to share with you another map that producer Asia put together that shows the presidential election. Uh, from 2020. So you can see here, uh, President Trump won 25 states and then producer AJ wants to now put those side by side for you to let you know that, hey, guess what? 37 states are showing some amount of vaccine hesitancy. So you can take that for what it's worth, right? Um, but just kind of an interesting overlay of why there's some vaccination hesitation in our nation.